Hello and welcome to a special True Blue LA. It's not just me, Eric. What? Yeah. What's this? It was not just me. Not just me and you. It's, in my yeah. head, it's normally just me, and I'm talking to an yeah, imaginary right. friend, Eric Steven. Uh, but I actually have two real people with me today. Uh, we're excited. Uh, so I would venture to say, outside of any time we are pending sponsorship with Farm- Farmer John gets brought up, our most popular segment is questions from Craig. So we decided to make an entire episode out of it. Uh, Sort of, or it's it's more like questions with Craig. I, I, I guess that's the that's the tagline this week. Questioning yeah, at us, he's questioning with us. That's right. Yeah. So, Craig Minami, um, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric and Jacob. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, and I and uh, it's, this is a we didn't discuss this uh, before, but I'm going I'm to give you guys a question. I'm going I'm to start oh. the questions of Craig. What a question! And just. Um, you know the Dodgers being defending World Series champions. What has that been like for you, for you as you guys prep both Eric and your writing and Jacob in the tone of the podcast with just that being, just not part, you know, that being part of uh, having to deal with in terms of you know they they are they won the World Series, so yeah. you don't have to like. You know. I, I think we'll answer that right after the break, but we also have news catch up. I think we actually have <laughs> questions, questions, but we don't know them ahead of time, which is really scary. Uh, <laughs> and then there's the trivia. There's a Dodgers rewind. Uh, we're going to cover all of that, all three of us, after this. You know, I mentioned this, I think, on that delirious episode right after the Dodgers won that th- th- there's this sort of argument that sports fans has all night. Is it easier to watch, like, the playoffs when your team has won recently? And there's some people who think, no, every championship matters and all that. And, like, I firmly agree with that. And I think that's the big thing for me is I've been able to really just enjoy the sort of baseball aspect of it as opposed to stressing have the Dodgers done enough to to win a title obviously it'll be more fun if they repeat and you know kind of start a little little dynasty going but uh I'm way less stressed in figuring out how good they are relative to the league than just kind of enjoying the team yeah I think um there's there's always like you know you I try not to get caught up in the well, like, like the championship or bust mentality. Like, I, obviously, they want to win, um, but you can't like have everything you write about the team like have like reflect that because it's like that's exhausting, you know, for like eight months or nine months or whatever. Um, so, like, I had always like had that part. You know, like you, you got to figure out how to do the journey right not the not the end but there there was always like the well they're they're building toward you know trying to win for the first time in 29 years 30 years 31 like Mm -hmm. and so it's always that that was always there but now like that's gone um so like you're right it 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 eliminates like a lot of ancillary bs that, that that would normally be there and maybe not that I might have written about, but it would just always be like it, sort of on the surface or near the surface. Uh, the other thing, like, uh, what was it? Dave Roberts, I think, said this a couple times this spring. He was like, um, uh, in the in previous years, we were like playing against opponents and 32 years of history. And now we're just playing opponents. So like, it, like 
that that was like a good way to put it, I thought. Um, so I think there's a little bit of clarity like uh, there too. Um, so like it, it it's weird. Like it, it's so weird because like it's all still remote, like in terms of like you don't really see like the the vibe of, of a like the clubhouse or the dugout or anything like that. And you just, it's hard to get stuff over zoom. That's like, that's good. Like, uh, for, so like that, that's hard, I think to, to, to quantify. So I, I don't know, but like, but you know, it's, it's just weird. It's, it's going to be weird until like everything's back to like relatively normal, but it's probably going to be, that's probably like a next year thing, but like, um, yeah, it, it is. It's certainly like just different. I would say. Good question, though. Uh, yep. Sneaking in extra ones. I think you're yep. probably going to solve five for us at the end of it. Well, uh, I know you two wanted to scratch your betting itch at some point, but we should probably catch up on news to start things off. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like it's pretty much going as they expected i guess um there there really hasn't been like a ton of like major news in camp or like uh big injuries or anything there's been a few like nagging ones but like nothing nothing major so this year also you know there's no like technical minor league camp there because there's no um they're they only had like um essentially one group of like non-roster invitees as opposed to like the entire minor league system. So like um, the cuts have been weird. Like they did 28 altogether once. And then they did, they cut seven more people the other day. Garrett Clevenger is the only one who was on the 40 man roster lefty who they got um, from the Phillies uh, in the off season. I mean, he was optioned, but like he, he was like a long shot to make the team anyway. He, he might end up pitching in the majors this year. We'll see. But nothing like really surprising. So they, there's 38 players left uh, in major league camp, but like functionally, um, you know, well, there's, and like of that group, 28 are pitchers. Um, but like really, there's 15 pitchers because uh, Bruce Argraderall, Joe Kelly won't be ready for opening day. Same for Mitchell White. Brandon Morrow, who's a non-roster invitee, also won't be ready for a while. Um, and then Tommy Canley had Tommy John surgery. They just haven't put him on the injured list yet. So it's there's really only 15 pitchers right now like that are functional, like in camp, um, who have a chance to like make the opening of the roster. So it's it really comes down to if they're going to carry 13 or 14 pitchers. It might be 13. It might be 14. So any Romero is uh, the non-roster lefty who's still around. I would expect that he's not going to make the team. Um, and then one of one or both of uh, Scott Alexander and Dennis Santana will probably be cut too. So like that's kind of it on the pitching side. And then the position player side, it's basically um, if they if they have thirteen um, position players, Zach McKinstry makes a team. If they have 12 position players, he probably doesn't. And that's kind of it. The other thing this week is like, it's not locked into place, but it's essentially like set up this way. But um, Clayton Kershaw, we know is starting opening day. They haven't um, exactly committed to like the, the rotation order beyond that. 
but like something would have to happen for it to change at this point. But Trevor Bauer, essentially game two, Walker Bueller, game three. It's probably going to be Urias and Gonsolin after that. Um, with like, um, you know, I, I suspect Jimmy Nelson, who's a non-roster invitee, makes the team as a reliever. And then Dustin May and David Price end up pitching in relief. None of that's like finalized yet, but I think that's how it's going to play out. Um, the, the the one thing that's happened in the last week or so, um, Clayton Kershaw in his last start last week gave up a couple of home runs early, and then Trevor Bauer on Monday, um, he he was like cruising until the fifth, and he allowed three home runs in the inning, and then Walker Bueller yesterday allowed four home runs, including three in an inning. So like uh, you know whatever it's spring, uh, I'm not trying to read too much into that, but that's just been a thing that's happened this week. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of it. But so this episode, we wanted to sort of be a little bit frivolous, um, but talk about the season, (laughs) which is is a change of pace. So, um, I haven't seen actual like over unders for individual stats. So what I did was, um, I sort of averaged out projections from Pakoda zips and steamer and to figure out sort of an over under. And I figure all three of us can pick over under. So, there's ten of them, and then also the team win total. Um, there is, there are, there have been over unders on the team win total. So like, Bet Online and Sports Betting AG had uh, the Dodgers win total at a ridiculous 103.5. That's over under. It's not necessarily projection, but Pakoda has them at like a 104 win team, which is absurd um, for a projection system, which is usually like very conservative. Bet MGM is at 102.5. I think well, let's go with the more conservative one. So, uh, so at an over under for 102.5 wins, um, do you, do you guys take the over or the under? Clearly, this is going to be a 103 win team, right? <laughs> so I'll, t- I'll, sure. I'll turn the over. You take the over, okay? I'm going to take the under. Pessimist. You take in. I, I also I, I also take the under because that's a lot of wins. They could be and the most excellent team in the league and win like ninety nine games, and then it'll be like, why didn't they win hundred? But yeah, look, I mean, but at the same time, they won one hundred and six games in two thousand nineteen. They added Mookie Betts and then won like over seventy percent of their games, uh, and they won one hundred and four in two thousand seventeen. So. It's not out of the question like that that could be their like true talent level, right? So uh, I'm not putting it like but it's just that seems like a lot of wins for an over under. So I'm taking the under. Um, yeah. Uh, so Cody Bellinger coming off shoulder surgery, uh, still playing around with his batting stance, which is just you know constant thing. Um, Pagoda has him at 36 home runs. That's the most conservative one. Uh, 38 for Zips, 41 for Steamer. Um, I believe last year, his even though he had like a down year, his um, I believe his one his like if you extrapolate his 60 game season over a full season, it would have been like 41 home runs. He had 47 the year before, so like um, um, his so his over under the average of those roughly 38 and a half. Um, what do you guys take over or under? I take the under just because I don't trust the quote unquote new ball. Oh, all right. I also take the under. <clears throat> just okay. Um, 
I I kind of want to be different here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna also take the under more more because of the shoulder thing um, than anything. But like uh, you know, wouldn't surprise me if he hits forty. Um, uh, another thing. So Mookie Betts, he led I believe the majors in runs in 2018 and 19, and he scored a bunch last year. His Pakoda is actually low for him, uh, very conservative, 92 runs, but the other two had him in the one teens. Um, so his over under on runs scored is one hundred eight and a half over. What do you guys say? All right, it's so weird to me that Pakoda would project the Dodgers to win that many games and then have their not their leadoff hitter hit go over a hundred runs. It seems weird to me. So take yeah. the over. So far, feeling matching Jacob, but I'm also going. I saw that number as okay. first, and I said it's over. Yeah, but you you got you were different on the first one, so oh, okay. you're, you're there. Um, I will also take the over because we are boring. Um, <laughs> okay, so Gavin Lux uh, quote getting a quote unquote runway at second base this year. Um, the steamer is the one that's a little bit uh, conservative here. Um, Pakoda and uh, Zips have him at twenty four homers. Steamer says 15, so rough average, 20 and a half home runs. What say you? I'm taking the over. I'm taking the under, just so you know. I'm going to be like, Jacob, I'm going to take the over. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Making me the asshole on this one. I just just wanted to make sure. Do you like Um, this team, Eric? What's wrong with this? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I decided to switch it up. I didn't want to do like home runs for everyone, so uh, Max Muncy, um, his average roughly 85 and a half walks. Hmm. And you know, I'm going to let Craig go first mm-hmm. so I can copy. I, I like 85. So I guess it's under, but it's, nice. you know, it's just right. It's right there. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to, I was leaning towards the over. I think a lot of the when it comes to these counting sets, so much of it is like not just in like will they give him a week off at some point, you know, and that could affect yep. things. But I'll still take the over. Oh, okay, dang! I thought you were I thought you were leaning toward under when, nope. after all that. So I'm I'm also taking the over. So Craig is the jerk on this one. Uh, no, um, the okay. Here's one. Uh, Co- Corey Seager uh, doubles, not home runs, mind you. Um, I almost did home runs, but I, I wanted to do doubles because he is usually a big doubles hitter. Uh, his average here is 33 and a half. I can't not pick the over on this. That's all. Yeah, Corey Seager just hits doubles. It's his thing. Yeah. Was this just the first half number for Corey Seager? That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I also picked it over. And, and Eric, just the question. Do you, I recall some type of thing where you had a contest, somebody picking doubles for the Dodgers, or am I just, am I misremembering something where you thought that they would, like um, all of them, like. No, it was walks. Like that well, was. I know a, walk, right? that was a I walk don't here, remember right? doing a double one. Yeah. It was 50 walks in 2009, and like all eight of them did. Um. Wow. But yeah, I, I have to also take the over. That's, that's a low number. He's going to hit like 45 doubles. Um, okay, so on to the pitchers. Um, Walker Bueller, um, the, I did a counting stat only because uh, 
Let's see. So his his strikeouts, 189 and a half. The, the, I'll tell you the reason why I did a counting stat is because, you know, on a I would, you know, he's game one starter for the Dodgers usually. I mean, obviously, Kershaw's going opening day. But, like, on the playoffs, he's been game one starter. The last two postseasons, um, he's, like, their their go-to. But also, like, the, the like slide of build compared to, like, um, like a, a Kershaw um, and, you know, can he, like, hold up over a whole season? He did in 2019 pretty well. But, like, um, and he actually struck out like 215 that year. Um, but like, that's, that's sort of like the, the question for him, I would say. So that's, that's why I did a counting stat. But what, what do you guys think? I think the Dodgers have like three, if we if count Jimmy Nelson's like major league effective starting pitchers in their bullpen. And I think that depth will allow them to really nurse, um, uh, Walker and like especially near the end of the year to make sure he is ready to be like the whole, the workhorse in the playoffs. So I'm gonna go mm-hmm. under. So I I like your logic for picking the counting stat. So but I'll I'll pick under. Yeah, that that number also seemed high, a little bit high for me for viewer for strikeouts. So yeah, I'm I'm picking the under. All right, I I'm actually even though I after all that I'm taking the over, um just because like. He could end up with like even if he's like at 160 innings or something, he could still strike out like 190. So mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, that's tough. So Kershaw, uh, Clayton Kershaw, uh, Pakoda was the the low ERA here, 255. Both Steamer and Zips had him over three, something he's done once uh, in the last 12, no, 11, excuse excuse me, 11 years. His his career is his high in ERA that year was. Uh, what 2019 was 303. Um, so his ERA average here, I 307 and a half. I'm going to go back to my fear of the ball, but in this case, joy of the ball and pick, pick the under. Yeah. He won't continue his, um his long stretch of having uh posting a ERA under his career average for, I don't know, either all the way till 2019. But um, yeah, I think he has one, Good one, good uh, one more uh, under three ERA uh, year left. So I'm picking the under. Hmm. I was center torn on this. I, I think I'm also. I think he's also going to end up with a two, something with a two or a one. No, uh, <laughs> under. I'll go under. Uh, so same thing for Trevor Bauer. His projections are are higher, but like not a lot. I mean, it's still very good. Um, but yeah, rainy Cy Young winner. Uh, his his ERA is three forty seven and a half. Yeah, I'm repeat what I said about Kershaw on the ball uh, under. I, you know, just looking at his 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 uh, his year his uh, his career, I I see around three and a half for him this year. So you're so you're going yeah, over. I'm going over. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm actually kind of bullish on him um like on the field um but like yeah I, I think i will i will assume that his eyes will be open for every start this year that counts so i'm gonna go under yeah um uh, all right now speaking of accounting stat someone who has a a very tenuous hold on the closer position um Kenley Jansen has led the Dodgers in saves every year um, since 
2011, I think. Uh, or 2012. Um, so his over-under this year, 28 and a half saves. I'm taking the under, sort of similar to the depth thing. <clears throat> Excuse me, with Bueller, just like, if he's not right at any point, I could see like a phantom DL kind of situation where they let someone else close and give him some some runway. Um, that's That said, the Dodgers are going to win a lot of games, so they could still do that. And yeah. they could still be average Kinley and still do that. So I'm not super confident, but I'll still take the under. I think this might be the year where they have multiple guys with double digit saves, just if they've yeah. kind of, so I, I'm going to take the under on this one. So I, I agree with both of your logic. However, uh, I think he could be the closer for like four months out of the year and still save 30 games. Yep. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so like I, I'm taking the over, but it's mostly to be different. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, now the other one is more of a, a nebulous one. So I guess we technically have what 12, one, two, three, four, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Um, which, which, yeah. Will a Dodger qualify for the ERA title this year? And if so, who? And who will, and it will be Hulu Urias and Trevor Bauer. What? <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I just got to say, three and go with just the top three guys being being Kershaw Bauer and and Bueller but um Julio that's an interesting interesting choice so you Craig you're going with a three yeah I'm going with the three um okay I will go I'm going to also go three, those three. Bauer leads in innings, and then Kershaw, and then Bueller. All right. That's a, that'll be a fun one to revisit at the end of yeah. the season. All right. So speaking of Kershaw, um, he and led Jacob the – wildly wrong. Yeah. He <laughs> led the National League in ERA five times. So did Sandy Koufax. Uh, Dazzy Vance, uh, a, a staple of uh, my trivia questions to Jacob, uh, led the National League three times in ERA. My question to both of you, Jacob and Craig, how many Dodgers can you name who led the ERA, the National League in ERA once? We, uh, Craig and I will try to answer that after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. How many Dodgers led the National League uh, in ERA just once? So I'll give you a, I'll give you a slight hint um, before is that only that there's no other there's no players other players who led the league multiple times for the okay. Dodgers. I was I was gonna I'm like man if he sneaks that yeah. in I'm be so mad. Uh, and so uh, these are all one timers. I need with one more Dodgers. hint. Did Zach Wheat ever? <laughs> <laughs> Not well. You know he didn't he didn't have enough innings to qualify. So okay. we're not gonna go. All right. Um, I will take the first stab, and we'll, we can trade Craig. Yeah. 
my first stab is uh, Don Newcomb. Uh, no. Hmm. All right, um, your turn, Greg. I'm going to say Don Sutton. Don Sutton led the National League in 1980, uh, 220. And then he left as a free agent. Um, All right. Um, but but before before you answer, I'm gonna I'm just just to I want to get Newcomb's thing here because I want to see where he finished. Okay, so the year he won MVP in Cy Young, 1956, he had a 306 ERA. The leader that year was 270. Okay. Um. All right. My, you know, let's uh, go with the Dons. Don Drysdale. Drysdale never led. Okay. Um, now I will check. Yeah, so we've we're three guesses, three Dons so far. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to say I want to know. I'm trying to see if he finished like second one year, because um, you know being in a rotation with Sandy Kovacs isn't isn't the fairest. Um, okay, so he finished. Uh, Drysdale finished second in 1957. So it was the like, year I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pre Kofax. Um, but then uh, second in 1964 to Kofax, fourth in 62 when he won the Cy Young, and then third in 1960. So he was up there. 1968, he was so he, he had his best ERA that year, 215. That's when he had the scoreless streak. He was sixth in ERA because it was the year of the pitcher. <laughs> And he's yeah. It was it was a a run a full, over a full run worse than the league leader done uh, Bob Gibson. So um, somehow Alejandro Pena comes to mind, but um, but that's that, that's there are other ones, but I, I like Alejandro Pena. So I will tell you the <laughs> basically the only reason I asked this question was because of Alejandro Pena. <laughs> <laughs> who led the league in 1984 before uh, like injury problems forced him to like the bullpen exclusively. God, yeah, 248. Question to me. <laughs> yeah. I'm so mad. Yep. Thanks, Craig. Uh, how many do we have left? Uh, four. Wow. Okay. I have a guess. Now, oh, ahead, I will tell ahead. you, I'll, I'll give you one other hint. Um, one second. I just want to confirm one thing. Yeah. So, Two of these players, uh, two of the four remaining, led the league. Uh, led the league with other teams in the array in other years, okay. as well. Um, did the Grinky ever do it? Yes, 2015, when he was better than Jake Arrieta, yeah. <laughs> uh, 166, a Dodger record. Uh, All right, You're and also, right. and also. That was a year that you can also argue that Kershaw, who struck out 301, had a better fit, uh, could have also won saying. Crazy. Anyway. Um, that team lost in the first round. How? Uh, do you remember how was, they hit? <laughs> yeah. It was bad. <laughs> is Kevin Brown one of the, one of the guys? That was my next guess. 2000. Yeah. 258. <laughs> uh, is he, is and Kevin... He, Kevin Brown led the league in ERA uh, in 1996 mm. with the Marlins, and I thought there was one other year. 
Hold on. No, maybe I not. I was just gonna guess ninety-seven for. No, just just the, just the two. Yeah, okay. for him. Uh oh, that means we have two more, and I'm at. <laughs> we've used all my guesses. <laughs> I I'll tell you this. I'll give you one more hint. Um, they are on the chronological uh, ends of this list. Oh. One on one end, one on the other. I'm going to let you go at, uh, again, Craig, since you stole my Kevin Brown guess and see if I can figure out the other one. Um, Preacher Row? No, I don't. I, I know he pitched a lot in relief. I want to see if he actually qualified but because he probably had some good. One it's, second. I'm guessing that the first oh, one. He, he definitely qualified, but like he, okay. his best was. 263, 279. I'm trying to see when he was top 10. Um, oh, this, is, this is riveting. Um, <laughs> I, oh, here it is. Okay. Yeah. He was, uh, well, was he was fourth twice with the Dodgers, but not, he didn't lead. I'm struggling to come up with the more recent one. I thought for sure it would have been Zach. I'm I'm struggling here. Uh, he's no longer on the Dodgers. Well, technically neither of these are. But yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I I do think I know, but um, no, go for it. I I'll, I'll, I'll give Jacob a hint. Uh, I think the last time all <laughs> three jerks. of us were at Dodgers, I think I think the last time all three of us were at Dodger Stadium, we saw him do something that was not pitching involved. I, man, <laughs> no, I'm tapping out, tapping out. My brain's it, it, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, of course. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Yeah. Eric knew how to give the hint. <laughs> yeah. okay. I'm, I'm still giving that to Craig since Jacob actually tapped oh, out. But oh. we have, we need the DH. So that can be cemented <laughs> as the last pitcher that ever hit a home run. Yep. Needs to uh, happen. I'll be honest. It's pretty. It's pretty likely that it still will be. Um, no, that would be a fun uh, bet. I bet a pitch. If we ha- don't have the DH, a pitcher will hit a home run sometime this year. I'm writing that down. Um, okay. So do you, do you guys have any other guess? I'll give you the year. No. 1957. Nope. Don Drysdale finished second that year, uh, but a Dodger finished first. Is it Roger Craig? No. Um, maybe okay. no. Okay. Um, the, oh. I'm not sorry. The only other person that would be Johnny Padres, but that that would be Johnny Padres is correct. Okay. Uh, two two sixty six. The there were some you know a little higher ERAs I think in the fifties that led the league, uh, than you know some later years. Um. Okay. That that's it. That's all I have for uh, trivia. That was that was good, guys. That was very good. Yeah, that was fun. Hey, all right. Th- um. Uh. It's um. You're, tr- you're y'all. I'm taking a break and letting you two talk for a while for this Dodgers rewind. Yeah. So th- this was an excellent suggestion um, from Craig, um, who noted, you know, let's talk about Fernando Mania, basically. So opening day this year, uh, or excuse me, the home opener for the Dodgers is April 9th. Happens to be the 30th the anniversary of Jacob yeah. Birch's birth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, something else. Uh, something more wow, important. So you- uh, Ethier's like an April 10th guy. I, I thought AJ Ellis is like in there too. That's like a, that used that was like a big week for uh 
podcast related birthdays. Um, uh, but yeah, so 40th anniversary of Fernando Valenzuela's first start in 1981. I would imagine, like, that's a big, uh, um, like, ceremony that's going to happen. I think they're getting their rings uh, before the first game. I would, you would think Fernando is going to throw out the first pitch because that'd be sweet. Um, but yeah, like, because it's the 40th anniversary, but like, it was just, you know, pretty crazy, right? Like, so, uh, Jerry Royce, who he was second in the Cy Young in 1980, threw a no hitter, won the all star game at Dodger Stadium. He was going to be the opening day starter in 1981. Uh, he pulled a calf muscle like the day before, and I guess, uh, Valenzuela, I was I looked up like an old like newspaper article. Uh, Valenzuela was throwing batting practice on the opening day was Thursday. Uh, he was throwing batting practice on Wednesday, and then later Wednesday they're like, "Hey, you're starting." He's like, "I'll I'll be fine." Like <laughs> so, uh, and he was uh, he 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 pitched a and mind you, he's twenty at this point. I know everyone said like he's uh, ha ha he's he's older all that stuff, but. Um, uh, five hit shutout to beat the Astros. Joe Necro was the uh, other starter for Houston. It was a two nothing Dodgers win. So that's a big deal. Um, and then you know, but it's still it's like cool moment, whatever. Like no, it wasn't mania yet, right? Like it was just, uh, it was just very cool. Now April fourteenth, uh, five days later, uh, at the Giants, uh, he struck out ten. Uh, the Dodgers won seven to one. The only run for the Giants came in the eighth inning. Larry Herndon doubled, and future Dodger uh, Enos Cavill singled. Now, at that point, uh, Fernando, who had come up in September 1980, 17 and two thirds, two unearned runs, so his ERA was zero. Um, so he he had not allowed a run in his first an earned run in his first 33 and two thirds innings until that eighth inning run. So. Doing really well at this point. Now, it's really like I think, Craig, you mentioned this. This is where he he started um, three times on uh, nine days on a road trip. Um, and like those, these were his first two starts on three days rest. So he starts on the 14th at San Francisco. Then on the 18th, he's in San Diego. Five hit shutout, no walks, 10Ks. The no walks is like, a little not surprising, but like better because he had some games where, man, he was he was just working through some stuff, uh, but still like doing well. But two nothing win. Three or four days later, three days rest. Um, this is a um, like not typical, but like more emblematic of like they just trusted. Uh, Domino sort of trusted Fernando to get out of like every jam. He walked three, gave up seven hits. He struck out 11, though, and that game was one to nothing. They won over Don Sutton, who had just signed, who had, you know, previous year's ERA winner, as we might have heard oh. earlier on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> and then he signed with the Astros. So, um, yeah. So at this point, Fernand, like, I think we're at, we're at Mania time, roughly. Um, um, I'll just, yeah. So I'll just chime in. So at this point, um, yeah. as the, as the, as a person who, who, who was, who was around, I mean, it was around, you know, Eric was around, but not, not, not right. Not, not conscious not of, this, yeah. <laughs> of this, of this event. Um, so yeah, so he's four and oh, and, and 
you know, you, I, I kind of mapped out when he might start because I don't think they had announced it yet. And, and I bought tickets uh, to his next start, which was the, which was the, the, the upcoming game against the Giants. And it was, you know, and just leading up to it, I think at this point, maybe it's hard to know because I, I, I couldn't find uh, great details. But, you know, the Herald Examiner, which was a great, which had a great sports section, had started this contest, was about to start contest or had started contest trying to get a nickname for him. And I think at this point, it was becoming really a national, a national story. Um, uh, probably uh, Jaime Harim had started to, you know, be his tr translator. Uh, if you were local, you knew who Jaime Harim was, but I don't, I, you know, he, I don't think he had gotten at least as much national play as he did really at this point when he when he was the translator for Fernando. And so there was just a lot of buildup for this next next start. Uh, yeah, because uh, they were on the road for those those three starts, and then they yeah. so then they come back home. Um, there was a thing too, like so you were talking about like getting tickets. I remember this had to be the case in the '81, and then probably like into the late '80s, even where you essentially got tickets to like Dodger games and like everything almost. Um, by waiting in line at like Robinson's <laughs> or, or like more mm -hmm. or, or May company or something like, you know, right. it was always like this weird. And like, that was like for concerts, like for mm -hmm. anything. Yeah. Right. What, what a weird time. Um, but yeah, so yeah. April 27th. Right. So they're, they're back home. This is another, like, uh, you know, it's a, the Dodgers won five to nothing, but like uh, Fernando was working through some stuff Four four walks, seven hits, Struck out seven, still didn't allow a run. So he he's like living with people on base at this point. But five starts in, four shutouts, ridiculous. Uh, and I, yeah, and and he also had three hits in that game and drove in the first run. Ah. And and I saw that. I looked back. I saw the LA Times headline, something to effect where Fernando three hits his own. <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of a and, and so yeah, so he had, yeah, so he was. Um, he was driving and rust. He got thrown out uh, trying to score the first run. He was he had gotten a hit. It was on second base, and Kenny Landro got a hit. He got thrown out at home. Uh, <laughs> imagine what it would be like today, sending sending your star pitcher home on a on a play, and he gets and he gets thrown out on a play at the plate. Everyone yeah. would be screaming, "No!" Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Okay. So at this point, yeah, five and zero. Oh. Uh, then he actually they they give they give him a, a reprieve. He gets five days rest before his next start. I, uh, they go to they're in Montreal. Um, he does really well. Uh, five hits. He allowed a run, but um, that game um, he struck out seven. He pitched nine, but it was he technically didn't get a complete game because the game was tied. But then the Dodgers scored five in the top of the tenth, and they took him out. So he got the win. Pitch nine. Um, so he the run he allowed was in the eighth inning of that game. So he had a scoreless streak of 35 innings at that point. Um, uh, and then, you know, obviously gave up the run. But he's 6-0. and His next start, I think this is when it was it got huge because, all, A, the Dodgers were in New York. And like you mentioned, um, Jaime Harin did um, translate uh, for him after the game on the Dodgers uh, KTTV broadcast. And um, so this game was another like classic tightrope thing where uh, Fernando uh, allowed seven hits and five walks. He pitched a shutout. He struck out 11. 
Uh, we actually have a video clip of this uh, we're going to include because Vince Scully, like, describing it was very cool, and we'll, we'll play that right now. Jacob, can you write that down? Nope. Damn it. All right. Um, Hold on. Yep. it down now. Let me know when to start again. Go. So, you know, Ben Scully, um, he's just, he's, you know, at this point, what, Ben Scully had, this is like his 32nd season. So, okay, that's just funny because he still had 35 more years to go. But like, um, 30 seconds, you've seen a lot, right? And like, and he he was like in awe of what was going on with her now. He's like, couldn't even explain it. So like, uh, when you're, when you like stun Vin Scully, uh, you know you're doing something well. So at this point, right, he's, um, he's seven and oh with five shutouts. He had allowed two runs. Like, that's dumb. That's just ridiculous. It, he didn't even give up a home run till his eighth start when he gave up two. Now he also he gave up a home run in the ninth to Andre Dawson. Uh, this was at home against the Expos. Um, that tied the game two to two. But then Pedro Guerrero in the bottom of the ninth hit a walk off home run to win it. So Fernando at this point eight and zero, five shutouts. He's gone nine innings in every single start. He's allowed four runs, seventy two innings, sixty eight strikeouts. Now, if you count his start in September 1980, his career ERA at that point was 0.4 in 89 and two-thirds innings. Now, he ended up um, 248 ERA. He won 13 games. It was a strike-shortened year. He led the majors with eight shutouts. He led the majors with 180 strikeouts. He led the National League in starts and innings pitched. Now, even though the season was like cut short by like two-thirds, or, you know, locked about a third of the season off. He still pitched 192 innings, so that's pretty crazy. He won first guy to win um, Cy Young and Rookie of the Year in the same season. Um, he also, in the postseason, had a 221 ERA and 40 and two-thirds innings in five starts, including another classic tightrope game in Game 3 of the World Series with the Dodgers down 2 nothing to the Yankees. Um, he They were down early, too. He allowed four runs. He allowed nine hits and seven walks and was still allowed to complete the game, and he did, and they won um, that game. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it was that was a tightrope. Now, I have a trivia for Jacob here. Uh, so, Fernando, in 1981, his April was 5-0 and with a 0.2 ERA. It was, it was uh, one run in 45 innings. Um, four years later... He had a 0.21 ERA in five April starts. He set a major league record by starting the year with 41 and two-thirds innings without an earned run. I remember that because there was a 1986 Topps card that had uh, that that very card. Now, my question for you, Jacob, it's it's really I, I wouldn't say it's easy, but I, it's 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 more simple. Uh, what was Fernando Valenzuela's record in April 1985? I can't believe it. It is the most puzzling, wonderful, rewarding thing I think we've seen in baseball in many, many years. It is puzzling because after all these years looking at this game, I know how tough it is. I know how tough it was for even the best who ever played it. And somehow this youngster from Mexico with a pixie smile on his face acts like he's pitching batting practice in Mexico 
and turns in his fifth shutout. Wow. I For some reason in my head, I was thinking you're going to go to break. And so I wasn't prepared for you to answer right away. <laughs> but uh, he, he was actually two and three. <laughs> so the, the earned run... Um, the earned the first earned run. He actually allowed four unearned runs in the month, um, but the the earned run was in the final inning of the last his fifth start, and that was against the Padres. It was a home run to Tony Gwynn in a one nothing loss, um, and so that made him that made him two and three. He um, the Dodgers. I'll just say he lost two to one. He won one to nothing and five to nothing. He lost two to one and one to zero. So the Dodgers did not really score they, for him at all. They scored eight runs in five games, so not very good. Um, but yeah, that that was it. Just just one last, and I'm not going to make this uh, a trivia question. Just a note: the eight game winning streak by Fernando the start season was uh, was tied by t- two other pitchers uh, for the Dodgers since 1981. Uh, Bob Welch. In that same 1985 season, won eight straight games as nice. a starter. And then Clayton Kershaw had done it twice. Uh, did it in 2014 and, um, and in 2017. He, he, he won. He had an eight-game winning streaks, um, which wow. they don't come to mind at all. But, but that's, that's, when I looked it up, that's, 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 who, that's, that's what they was. But that's uh, – uh, but, yeah, so that, that, was, uh, that, was a, that was a very – key time and, and i know we're all on that bandwagon you know it'd be just a nice touch oh by the way fernando we're retiring your jersey what, what just why not <laughs> oh man that would be very good <laughs> they that would be amazing if they if they announced that on opening day like oh my god that'd be great um okay so w- before we get into our favorite segment um oh, i do have some food talk here because this morning the dodgers uh they're just acquiring things from Boston. Um, like <laughs> D- Dunkin' Donuts is now the official coffee and official donut of the Dodgers. Uh, it's going to be like kind of all over the stadium now. Uh, I believe they're um, in the one of the pavilion areas, and then How like common you know, Dunkin's various... in LA now. Uh, I don't. There's like more and more. There's one like relatively close to me. I want to say there's at least like twenty. Uh, but yeah, yeah I don't. That I'm not sure. Like, and like Sonic were the two big. Ooh, you know when people came. Oh, you have mm. both of which. Probably not. Sonic's pretty good for as trashy as it is. But Donkey, yeah, Donkey, it's fine. I I like Sonic because they put. Um, you have the option of putting jalapenos on the burgers, and mm. like that's very rare in like fast food places. Um, but yeah, so um. Also, they have tater tots, which is cool, which is cool. Um, yeah, so the Dunkin' Donuts thing. There's also they. I'm just gonna read you this because it's well. I would. This sounds so gross, but like um, the Dodgers' signature latte. I'm just reading here a blueberry crisp latte made with Dunkin' smooth espresso and topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. Can't do it, man. That's that's not that's not my jam. Um, but so it, in light of that. Um, you know, it could be a Dunkin' Donut sometime in the future, but, uh, what would each of you say is your favorite food at Dodger Stadium? Um, 
I it's boring to say, and I wouldn't say it's the best food at Dodger Stadium, but probably just a Dodger dog. Mm-hmm. And it just it has that much enriched sort of nostalgia uh, to me, yeah. like just classic ketchup, mustard, onion. Maybe okay, I, I was gonna I was gonna ask what you what you put on it. That's I good. tend to get two, and then one I put uh, onions, relish, ketchup, mustard on, and one I just do ketchup, mustard, and onion. Yeah. What about you, uh, Greg? My favorite is a uh, is a grilled super dog. Um, nice. Because I just, you know, I just, I just like uh, how that tastes as opposed to the, the Dodger dog never seems to be, the actual dog never seems to be hot enough for whatever reason. I know there's a timing issue just because they're sitting there, but I think just because the way it is, it's just, it's, you know, but I mean, they're, they're fine, but I like a super dog with, with mustard, occasionally with onion, but really those, those two things. So yeah, I, I, I almost want to say Dodger dog too, just it's, but it's a pure nostalgia pick and yeah. it. It it oftentimes can be gross. Yep. Um, but like, but the one thing I I, I do like it, that I've gotten in is like like Craig said the 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 super dog or like um, it has a better like snap to it at least to me. But I, I'm gonna go a little bit off book here and um, and say the the Wetzel pretzel dog. Mm. Um, it it's just essentially the Wetzel's pretzel wrapped around a dog a hot dog. And it's it's very good. Um, so like uh, that that's that's my go-to for now. Uh, now another qu- food question: what What's your favorite food at a non-Dodger Stadium ballpark? To uh, so I've been I have to ch- redo my numbers because I the Texas changed stadiums, <clears throat> and um, I was supposed to go to PNC last year, and then certain things happened that meant that didn't happen. The pirates um, got bad. Just that, that <laughs> exclusively that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm only going to go if the pirates are good. Uh, no, um, but I've been to a lot of the ma- major league stadiums. Uh, my favorite hot dog, and I, you know, I only went once, so maybe it was just the right night, right weather, and everything. But was at um, City Field. It was a Nathan's hot dog. They had a lot of different condiments you could add to it. It was really, really good. Um, I was at Mike Piazza's retirement, uh, number retirement ceremony. Um, Whoa. but I wait, think... which, which one, the Mets or the Dodgers? Mets, oh, wait. Mets. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. I know. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Uh, but I think overall I will give the reward. I don't know if this was the, I think the best food is at Petco. Probably you can get... there's a Hodad's in the ballpark. Like you... it's really hard to beat that for me. I think the Hodad burger is just phenomenal. But in yeah. terms of like the spirit of ballpark food, it, uh, Texas has like ridiculous minor league level carnival kind of food, like like fried, deep fried cinnamon roll, and a corn dog, a pick, a hot dog jammed into a pickle that was deep fried, <laughs> um, deep fried. Uh, uh, brisket balls, I think they were called. It's just ridiculous, over the top food, sure. which is what uh, what's what a day at the ballpark is all about, right? Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, what about you, Craig? Um, and I, I could be mixing up my Stancast and uh, recommendations, but one time, I the one time I was in Atlanta at, at Turner Field, their former place, uh, I was covering uh, for Triple A and. 
I believe Stan mentioned, because he was there uh, with the team, he mentioned that uh, you should go, I should go try H&F Burger, which is a H&F is a, um, a pub in Atlanta and they do a cheeseburger. Uh, and so it's, maybe it's kind of a cheek because it's not really a ballpark movie, but, they, but they're also at their new, new new stadium too. But it's like whole dads in a similar type of thing where mm-hmm. it's a cheeseburger. Um, you know, and I had like a Chicago dog at Wrigley, I think, which is which is fully loaded, which is fine. Although I find the pickle kind of difficult. You oh, know, I'm not sure how. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, I mean, nothing else stands out. I think just because I had to when I went the first time I went to the set, uh, whatever it was at that time, if Pac Bell was the first name of it, because I did go there in 2001. I did have garlic fries there. I'm not the biggest fan of their of garlic fries, but. No, they're not bad. Garlic fries are great for like one minute, and then they get cold and they are gross. I will say the smell walking the concourse in San Francisco is just wonderful, Mm -hmm. like Mm food-wise. Now, my favorite is at, um, what is it, Oracle Park now? That that park in San Francisco. Um, Kevin Elster Field. Uh, uh, It was just a, like, grilled sausage essentially um but it's like gigantic and it's wonderful uh i went there the last uh i went there been there a few times but the last time was the last regular season series in 2018 um and i think i had one of those every day um so yeah it was it was very very good so that, that that's what i'm going with some love for other NL West stadiums there. I guess that makes sense. Easier, easier to travel to. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, you know what? You know what it is. Uh, what time is it? It's time for with Jens and Craig. We love them. Five. Do you have five questions again, Craig? I do. Of course, some have multiple parts. Sure. So one, we'll one, one, one does though. What what one does? But um. Yes, I do. And it's great to be here to, to do this segment with you. Um, although Jacob does a great job understanding my uh, my written questions. Sometimes I, 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 he has to kind of decipher those uh, when I write them. So the first one, as tradition, as always, is a, is a true question for, for Eric. Yes. Um, since 1981, and to kind of continue the theme of the rewind, Fernando Vasquez leads all Dodger pitchers with 29 shutouts. There are five other pitchers, Dr. Richard Siston, who have 10 or more shutouts in that time. Can Eric name those five pitchers? Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Clayton Kershaw. Um, yes. I, wanna, I think he has like 25 or something. Um, so Tim Belcher had eight shutouts in 1989, so I'm going with Tim Belcher. There you are. He had he had twelve with the Dodgers. Kershaw has fifteen, by the way. That's fifteen. Fifteen. That's that's what he had. Wow. But but I'll, but I'll note those fifteen lead every lead all the major leagues since he's like, debuted two thousand eight. So no other pitcher uh, has more than fifteen or even um, So let's go just because he was there for a good amount. Um, Ramon Martinez. Ramon Martinez had twenty. He is he is second on that list. Okay, wow. and then obviously um, the things that'll always be embedded in my head. Nineteen eighty-eight, twenty-three and eight record, fifteen complete games, eight shutouts for Oral Hershiser. Um, so he has to be on there. 
Yes, he has 24. And, and of course, he did not lead the league in ERA that year. Do Danny Jackson. Did that in 1988? Danny Jackson, <laughs> I believe. Yeah. Yes, right. Yep. Um, it was a fraud. Um, let's see. Um, okay, so I need one more. Mm-hmm. Oh His my. name has already come up. His name has come up in this podcast already. Oh, Bob Welch. Bob Welch. Bob Welch at 18. My other hint was going to be they all won rings, World Series rings with the Dodgers. Um, oh. Because Ramon, Ramon Martinez did pitch in 88. I'm not sure. Uh, so he debuted that year. So I don't know what the tradition was, but they all they all won rings. I forgot about this. I, I don't remember uncovering this in 2013, but I saw it recently, um, and I, I believe Fred Clare was interviewed about this. Mario Soto got a ring uh, for the 88 team. <laughs> He they signed it. The Reds released him like in May or June, and the Dodgers signed him to a minor league deal. But then he he had like shoulder thing. He actually never pitched in the majors again. But like he was in the minors with them like the rest of the year. I think he started like twice, and then he was just hurt. So, but they gave him a ring. Uh, so yeah, I guess I guess Guerrero must have a ring for that team too. And, and yeah. as does Fernando. I mean, they're I, both. I, I, so I think they had thirty. I think they had thirty-eight players. And then mm-hmm. I think Soto made 39 rings. So, so, like, yeah, I think that's what it was. Even, like, yeah, Gilberto Reyes, who almost got activated but for the World Series but didn't. But he played in the season, so, yeah. And and as a, as a, as question B, did I follow up? Um, Fernando would have 31 um, career shots of career. So he had, he, had, he had 29 with the Dodgers and two other ones. I, I don't know if those who came with the Angels or other, other teams he pitched for. Um, since 1981, there are only three pitchers who have more than Fernando's 31 shutouts uh, in, uh, in, in baseball. Um, can Eric name these three pitchers? Or, and the hand is um, Jacob. Jacob's, Jacob would have been conscious and seen him play. All three of these guys pitch. Uh, uh, Maddox and Johnson are, are two guesses. Yes, those two. Um, oh, and I guess Roger Clemens. Yes, Roger Clemens, yeah. who gets 46 in his career. Yeah. Uh, Randy Johnson at 37 and Greg Maddox at 35. I, I like, don't know if Greg Maddox got any with the Dodgers. I don't think so. I know <laughs> that's a lot, but like <laughs> 35 does seem really low. Like, you know, it, but like it's still a lot. I know, but yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, and it's hard to know. I mean, uh, I mean, it's just so rare now, right? But the combination of pitching a complete game and letting them go that long is, is just, you know, pitching one or two a season now seems to be kind of like the, the, the kind of limit. Bringing Jacob into this, continuing on this uh, thing I started last week, uh, Eric and Jake, can you name uh, name the winners, your winner, your producers, the winners of the AL and NL Central Divisions, and will any other teams qualify for the wild card in those divisions? I remember thinking about every division last week and like having firm ideas, and now my brain is completely out the window. Um, hmm. This is a weird division, isn't it? Which one, AL or NL? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was thinking of NL when I said that, but um, yeah. I will say uh, I'll switch the AL that the Whites is trendy. I didn't realize what the White Sox will win the division. Okay, um, I think I think the Twins will win, but the sure. White Sox will be a wild card. Yeah, I was gonna say the I, the Twins will be a wild card. Was gonna be a okay. So 
So I believe if we go back to last week, uh, Jacob had both had two teams. I think he had a wild card and a in a in the AL East, as I recall. Or was that anyway? I know you guys have records of that. Um, I'll I'll look it up while you're while you're talking. But um, uh, but so no so no love for no love for for Cleveland. Cleveland's uh, Cleveland's run as you guys are predicting that's that's no, they're, over. They're dead. <laughs> Uh, they're officially over. Um, no, I don't know. Um, let's see. So uh, last week was um, okay, but we both had the Braves and the Mets in the National League. Mm-hmm. Uh, Braves win the East, Mets win a wild card. Uh, in the American League, um, I had the Rays as a wild card team. Jacob only, and we both had the Yankees win the AL East. Yep. Interesting. So, so what I'm what apparently what I what I'm saying is that. The Rays and the White Sox will be f- playing in the wild card game, assuming that we have the current system and not not something they decide on April first, one hour before first pitch. Yeah, we, we don't want to like uh, you know break the news that Eric that Jacob thinks that there's going to be an AL West wild card team, but that's <laughs> apparently where that's apparently where he's apparently where he's going. Oh yeah. Um, I'm I'm, ca- yeah. I'm I'm I remember I remember my, my <laughs> ale. Uh, big 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 angel big angels energy from Jacob today. No, I know. I'm just, uh, you're right. It's so, next week. Um, it's next week. So that and on the NL Central. Uh, I, I mean, like the Cardinals traded for Arenado. The projection systems like the Brewers, the Cubs are like contemptible um, ownership, but like. I'm not that sold on the Cardinals, but um, and I don't think the Brewers are as good as projections think they are. But I, I still think I'm just going to go Cardinals. Um, I'm going to go with the Brewers. All right, all right. There you go. Um, in the last two seasons, the Dodgers have led the National League in both runs, runs scored and runs allowed. Uh, for this upcoming season, uh, do you see them doing that again? Doing one or the other, or not doing either of them, leading in either of those categories this year? It's more likely they lead in runs allowed, I think. You know, fewest fewest runs allowed, not, not Rocky yeah. style. Um, <laughs> um, but I think because, like, the Braves and maybe the Padres, I don't know if the. Uh, there's more competition, I think, for the for the offense and like even the Mets, maybe. So, but I, I think it's I think they lead the league and be like top two or three in runs scored. But yeah, they're going to be like right there again. Like it wouldn't surprise me if they did both. That hadn't happened for them since like I forget if it was seventy seven or seventy eight or something. Like they, they just well, we're usually on offense. They they never lead the league anyway. Like, but the last couple of years have been very, very good in that regard. I I'm gonna do the boring one. And say they win. They they allow the fewest runs, but they're like second or third in runs scored. Well, that's what I said. I know. <laughs> boring. Yeah. Yeah. Question four. Sorry, I I haven't I didn't follow Jacob's lead in that part. Um. Right around the same time, following the same theme of uh, you know Fernando Mania, uh, video games are hitting their golden age, their stride. Um, I remember at that time going to the Sega Center at Fox Hills Malls, and and every week me and my friends would would cash in a whole five dollars to get tokens, and we'd be there for like an hour or something, whatever it was. Um, 
my game, I was not good. I'm just not a good video game player generally. I'm not good at any of those type of games. The only game I was even relatively good at was pole position, uh, which which both the stand version and the and the more advanced uh, sit in the sit in the console driving console one. I was I was I was okay at that one. So <clears throat> I know Eric. I'm not sure at that time if you were a video game a video arcade going guy in, in those years and. And of course, they have them still at like Dave and Buster's and stuff like that. Um, you know, well, what are you, what are your two favorites if you have any, and what, and what games were you particularly good at? So the one thing we we did was like um, there there was a couple things. Uh, we would walk as freshmen in high school. This was you know no one had a car. Yeah, so we would walk to Round Table Pizza. No, wait, was it Round Table or Straw Hat? It was Straw Hat, and um, but they they had a few video games, but they they had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Mm -hmm. I barely played it, but all, all like you could always hear the damn song, and so we're like Turtle Power, you know, just like there'd just be randomly like as we're eating. Um, but yeah, so the one the place we went to, uh, well, there's two. Shakey's had an arcade. Like a, very, a little room, but then also on the other side of the store, they had a papa shop, and um, they had a thing where if you got like a certain number, you could win a little personal pizza, like a little you know four slicer, like single plate pizza. And uh, but then if if you had if you were like really good at papa shop, you could win progressively bigger sizes of pizza. My friend Steve was the most amazing papa shop player I've ever seen in my life. He would regularly win like medium pizzas to the point where like they wouldn't let him play anymore, and like um, so so like he we would just ride him and like and then get a free pizza out of it. But um, the other the actual like arcade place that we went to a lot was closer. Uh, so I moved a little bit further away uh, after freshman year of high school, and I was in Thousand Palms. So it was like twenty minutes from school, but like. Um, out there, there was a place called Bubba Bear's Pizza. It was like essentially like wannabe Chuck E. Cheese. Um, but we played a lot of Street Fighter. Maybe it was Street Fighter 2 then. Uh, but we played that mostly at like friend my like friends' houses, you know. But like being there at we played a lot of that at Bubba Bear's. Um, uh, so yeah, that that was sort of a thing. Uh, I was I was terrible at it. Like I was not not very good, especially on the arcade version. I was a little better on the like Super Nintendo, but like not not uh, not very good at all. Um, I'm going to stick to just arcade because generic video games. I'm going to go too far reaching. Yeah. Um, ours, the Pizza Hut had the Simpsons arcade game, which is really really good, <laughs> a classic. Uh, you have to rescue Maggie from Mr. Burns. Uh, I remember at Pizza Hut, we got two Mr. Burns and couldn't beat it. Uh, <laughs> like we put literally forty dollars and quarters into it and just couldn't do it. Uh, and so, but I recently at a you know an adult arcade bar, uh, they had the Simpsons game and we beat it. And you know it took like four dollars. <laughs> Turns out you're, like, you're not an idiot kid. You can play the games a little bit better uh, sometimes. Um. At Footrockers, it was the X Men game that I played a lot. Uh, I was always Nightcrawler. <laughs> uh, uh, the the Birdbank Uh which I feel like those uh, um, 
the arcades of the X-Men game break really easily. I was because I at the same market I played it and Colossus was just broken, just couldn't wouldn't work. <laughs> but I was never good at any of these. Uh, but those I think the two that I probably put the most quarters in. That that are the diehard arcade game, which was at Tilt at, in the Valencia Mall. I played a lot of that. But again, good at good at none of them. And if you're ever in Japan, I've said that you need to, everyone needs to go to a baseball game, but you also need to visit one of the many, many, many arcades. Um, my favorite closed, it was, um, gotta remember what it's, it's a warehouse, no Awada, uh, not a no warehouse, which was a dystopian themed arcade. <laughs> like you went through the entrance and it's just this like sewer pipes and gas steam and everything's really dark and then you go up a level and it's the same lighting level uh but it's you know claw machines and pachinko machines and stuff like that it was strange but sadly nice. closed maybe it'll reopen at some point but. just uh, i think it probably changed to starbucks by the time jacob was at ucla but um the, the, over by where the Bruin theater is off of whatever street that is jacob across the street from Calvary Pizza Kitchen, uh, that used to be an arcade. Uh, uh, I've I played played <laughs> in that because my my mom worked at UCLA for a really long time, so I did. I've definitely played in that arcade. I played Tron, which was a thing, and that right. was like in the retro section at the time. But I, I still found it very fascinating. So, yeah, it's just yeah, it's just bygone years of arcade games. Um, now comes and and you and this is always the one I spend the most time thinking about asking because I feel I don't want to repeat myself. It's the food question. One thing, remind me before the food question, Eric, you talk about Shakey's and media pieces. Um, uh, I, I used, I have a friend uh, who's, who was a lawyer and we were, and we were, and he lived in Westwood and we would, but we would go to get dinner occasionally at Shakey's and he's the only person I ever knew who could walk into Shakey's and he had a regular order. Huh. <laughs> it was a medium pizza cheese pizza with double with double sauce or extra sauce that was that was his uh that is that the base of my order by the way i have some toppings <laughs> on it but extra sauce is key nice for shake for shake pizza um so yes so question five um i was uh uh using uh thanks to eric's theme i'm gonna kind of go to amusement parks um in terms of like um do you have any favorite food or restaurants at music parks that, that you went to. We all grew up in Southern California. I, I don't know if Jacob was closer. Jacob probably was closer to Magic Mountain. I, uh, than, uh, two than miles away. <laughs> to Disneyland. Uh, but my favorite, for myself, my favorite uh, meal at a music park area is kind of a cheap, but it's a Knott's Berry Farm chicken chicken dinner restaurant where oh, for, for, for a few years uh, for Mother's Day, our, our extended family would go there for the for brunch. And really, I mean, can you beat, you know, fried chicken, the boysenberry stuff, and, uh, and then just the regular breakfast food. So that's, that's one, um, you know, I, I know people like to smoke turkey legs at Disneyland. I, it, they're okay. <laughs> and the Dole Whip is good at, Disney, at Disneyland. But um, anyway, I just, I was wondering if you guys had any, had any memories. Um, and if Jacob can think of anything at Magic Mountain, uh, congratulations, because nothing, nothing came to mind for, for me when I thought about uh, so it. So Magic Mountain <laughs> was like 14 and 15 before I could drive was essentially our babysitter. Like we'd buy us a season pass, <laughs> drop us off every day of the summer. Um, so I have, and I'm sure this restaurant doesn't exist there anymore. I'm going to look it up, but in the, um, 
area of the park that's on the top of the mountain uh, near Ninja and eventually Superman, I think, uh, was the Laughing Dragon Italian restaurant. That's That was like our idea of a fancy sit-down restaurant when we were 14 and 15. Um, and it was always just like a little, it was never like empty, but it was always just a little, because it's at the top of the mountain and a lot of people didn't want to climb the stairs. It was always just a little under-trafficked compared to everything else. Uh, so it was a really kind of good place to kind of take a break. Um, so that comes to mind. And then just generically, uh, regardless of what theme park you're at, I think funnel cake is by far the, like, I will never order funnel cake anywhere except a theme park or a carnival. But if I'm at one of those places, I got to get one. That's pretty good. I, I'm just trying to think the, the, the fried chicken at knots is very good. Um, the one, the one thing it's weird because it's not really like a, a restaurant food, but the one thing I always loved for, and you could get it not anywhere, but like um, at Disneyland was the assorted sour balls. Um, it, it, it's just, you know, pure sugar, obviously, but like the only place I've seen them that are close to the ones at Disneyland are uh, strangely big five. Um, usually like at like CVS, right. They just have cherry. Like that's that like your, your standard, like seven 11 CVS, like they will only have like the cherry sour balls. Um, but the assorted is the way to go. And for some reason, the Disneyland ones always hit excellently. Um, so yeah, that, that's sort of the lasting like food memory I have of there, but it's, I haven't been to one of those places in like 25 years. Disneyland is like the first place I think as a kid you're aware of branding because because for some reason like the Carnation whatever the Carnation place or Dole Whip it was always you know they were like doing this this branding before you were you know before it became like you know became like a thing it was like the the official the official whatever of that thing and so that's you know because you because you leave and go you go you think oh actually we should get some Carnation ice cream somewhere and and you know it's like that but it's but that's my memory. But um, but that sounds great. Um, well, thanks. Thanks for letting me be a part of it and asking these questions uh, to you guys. Again, it's always a pleasure to um, be on with you too. Yeah, this was fun. We did a. It's always good. Questions from Craig is great, and uh, just to have you on the podcast was awesome. And it's crazy how close like opening day is now. Like uh, just to the point where like next week it'll essentially be like an opening day preview because it's going to be like right before opening day. So, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, hope you enjoyed it and go out and eat some ballpark food soon. Bye.